Video games have become so much of a phenomenon in our culture that millions of people are voluntarily watching people play video games for entertainment, and in some cases even paying money to do so. To a lot of people, this is a ridiculous concept. Maybe you've seen stories on Twitter about young people winning millions of dollars in a Fortnite or Call of Duty tournament and thinking, how in the world is somebody getting paid this much to sit and play a video game? It's a fair question, but one that needs to be explored before jumping to conclusions. As the impact of video games and competitive esports grows in our culture, it has become more important than ever to examine the effects video gaming has on people and the potential risks and benefits along with it. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Yazel, and welcome into episode two of The Impact of a Game, a three-part podcast series examining the impact video games have on people's lives. Make sure to check out episode one where I focused on casual gamers and the effects of casual gaming on mental health. But in this episode, we're going to focus more on people who play games frequently, gaming addiction, and the competitive esports community. When it comes to people who play a lot of video games, the potential for unhealthy addiction comes into play. That's why I wanted to speak to Orshila Kirali, a researcher in Budapest, Hungary, who has focused much of her work on gaming addiction and competitive gaming. We mostly... Uh, we mostly assess samples of highly engaged gamers. In our recent, our, in our most recent survey, we had a, a sample of almost 15,000 Hungarian gamers and their average uh, gaming time per week was 28 hours. That's a lot. As of May 2019, the World Health Organization lists video game addiction or gaming disorder as an official diagnosis of mental illness. However, Kirali says there is a common misconception when it comes to how people view the causes of gaming addiction. Uh, so from our research and research in general is that high engagement in video games is, has almost nothing to do with, with addiction. So gaming time per se is, uh, is not a good predictor of, of who is addicted or who is not. Since time played is not a solid indicator of addiction, she says that video game addiction is similar to other forms of addiction in terms of the signs and the symptoms. Those who are addicted, they really play a lot. That's true. However, not everyone who plays a lot or intensively or who is passionate about gaming, most of them or majority of these people are not addicted. An addicted person is usually like quite all alone without social interactions. Their life is really miserable, let's say. They don't take care of themselves, of their environment. Of They, they do not work. They do not go to school. They, they, are, they are just gaming. And basically, even, even the gaming activity is very different because while esport players have have a clear goal they want to be better and better and better and better um, gaming addicts usually the main goal for them is to escape uh, to avoid their everyday problems and they play in order to feel less miserable this is where the difference between casual and competitive gaming comes into play Esports players obviously play more video games than the average or even the above average gamer. Just like athletes who try to make the professional leagues in a physical sport though, making it in esports is just as tough, if not even more of a challenge. Take it from Joseph Duganzik and Miguel Melchor, members of Marquette's esports club. It is a different gaming experience. With being on a team, you like get really close, you build a lot of chemistry, so just 
being able to practicing more than the casual gamer, I guess, just puts you at a level above them because of uh, all the more time and effort you put into the game. You look at esports as a whole, a lot of our teams are practicing 20 to 30 hours a week. We're putting in a lot of time to try and get better. It's, it's not, say, as physically demanding as an actual sport, but the mental aspect of having to to craft new strats or to think of new ideas to help us win games. There's, there's a lot of those aspects that are the same for esports and for, you know, as if somebody was making a playbook for football. As video games have become more advanced and more popular on multiple different platforms, they have also become a more social experience. For casual gamers, it's something they can do with their friends they already know for some occasional fun. For competitive gamers, though, gaming is often a way to build lifelong friendships. Nick Sorello, another member of the FIFA team for Marquette Esports, says his gaming friendships have evolved with age. Growing up, just like playing games with friends, like playing 2K, FIFA, Overwatch, like, and especially like the past few years, like as I've gotten older and like started like being more confident, like talking to random people that I meet in video games, like that's a way to like kind of like meet new people, like obviously virtually and like have experiences with them back in like high school and stuff like that just come home and like after school play video games with my friends and then build a lot of friendships like like some of the people like my good friends i've met online that i didn't know before and melchor said that the process of building friendships through gaming doesn't end when you grow up or when you become a competitive gamer from the club aspect since we do have like a social we do have the social aspect of the club uh for like LAN events where we all get together uh just have a good time you know have some pizza have some soda through Kirali's research she has found that video games are a great social experience and can have a lot of positive impacts when it comes to bringing people together video gaming is a very very nice social activity and it's, it's a very good leisure activity. It, it, it is so broad, the scope is so broad, what you can do and what you, you can do with others. And there are so many games, basically anybody can find what they want to do. And uh, since most of the games today can be played with, with uh, friends or family or whoever, that is a very, very great additional value compared to let's say 20 years ago. And you may ask, why do people even play video games in the first place? How can people get hooked to these games? When you've been in a game with some people, together with some people or friends, that is such an adrenaline, uh, such a great dopamine release. It's, it's really, it's very difficult to, to get a bigger joy than that. That same dopamine rush that Kirali referred to, though, is what the Mayo Clinic Health System says is a reason why video game addiction can be caused. The release of dopamine can trigger hyperarousal and help sustain interest and attention in the games, which can be a great thing in smaller doses, but problematic if the behavior continues. Another part of the conversation of video games and addiction is, of course, the role violence plays in games and how it can lead to violence in real life. There is a relationship However, like a statistical relationship between playing violent video games and being aggressive. However, this relationship is weak. A lot of people, including parents of kids who want to play video games, have their opinion about video games influenced by what they see in the news. Kirali says that the media has done a poor job of describing the relationship between violence in games and in reality. When the media blames video games, it's never ever 
the media games, uh, the, the video games who should be blamed. Uh, the cases are always very, very complex. And there are a lot of things in the background that resulted in that tragedy. They, they should be much more nuanced about this and try to try not to raise a panic. However, of course, this is how media works and this is how media pays. So, of course, this is what they do. Despite video games typically not being the sole cause in cases of violence in real life, Kirali does think playing a lot of violent video games can impact people's brains in a negative way. People who play uh, a lot of violent video games might get a bit uh, somewhat desens desensitized by, by violence and in some cases, there is a higher probability that they might act aggressive or violent in a, in, a, in a case where they have the chance to do this. In order as a society to avoid some of the negative aspects of video games, one of the most important factors of that is parents and how they manage their kids' time playing video games. Parents should be understanding about this, I think. However, it's the, it is their role, role to regulate this activity. Not in terms that they shouldn't play at all. It's not that. It's uh, how they play, what they play, how much they play, with who they play. So a lot of these things. One thing Kirali recommended to parents was to be more involved in the playing of games and to be an active participant in their child's playing if they sit in front of the screen with the parent, uh, they are doing the activity together. And even more importantly, they are talking about it. So not just doing it together, but talking about it. Uh, the kid has questions, the, the, the adult answers, or the adult has questions and the kid answers. So they, they have a reflection on what is going on. That's really, really cool. Included in that would be an understanding of what kinds of games the kid is playing versus just hearing about the game on the news like many parents did with Fortnite. Fortnite, Call of Duty, and many other popular games across genres are match-based and online, meaning you can't just pause at any time or set a specific time limit. According to Kirali, a more effective method would be to come to an agreement on the number of rounds or matches and have a healthier understanding of the games. Parents should understand what the child or the adolescent does, because if they don't, they cannot regulate the activity in, a, in, a, in, in an effective way. If, if you just cut it after one hour, for sure the, 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 the kid will lose, his team will lose, everyone will be really tensed and upset, the kid will be aggressive, uh, he, he or she will hate his, their parents. So parents should try to be as open, uh, open and open-minded about video games as, they, as possible. There you have it. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Impact of a Game. Next time, we will conclude the series with a focus on the reasons why playing video games may not be a good idea. Until next time, I'm your host, Matt Yazel. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.